Hunger Games and may the odds be ever in your favor. This is Paideia and I'm Cassie Michael and today we'll be closely reading chapter 6 and uh, talking about all that there is to talk about. Requisite spoiler warning for this episode, there may be spoilers not only to this book, this trilogy, but to wider works I may make connections to. Never know what's going to happen with my brain. Now, for those of you who, it's been a while since you've read the book or you've not read The Hunger Games before, um, I'm going to recap the chapter and let you know everything you need to know about what happened in chapter 6. So chapter 5 leaves off the opening ceremonies. The tribute parade has just finished. Chapter 6, we start off with Katniss and Peta, Effie, Sinner, and Portia in an elevator in what's called the training center. And this is where the tributes are housed um, leading up to the games. And each district has a floor, District 12's being on the top, the penthouse, and they go up the elevator and find their quarters. Um, Katniss's quarters are bigger than her house back in District 12, and there's all these buttons and things that, you know, make life easier. Um, she takes a shower, and when she steps out, um, warm air dries her off. She doesn't have to comb her hair. She presses a button and it untangles it for her. Um, she can speak into, press a button and speak and get food um, in mere minutes. Katniss goes to eat dinner with Peta, Effie, Hamish, Cinna, and Portia. Um, and she has wine for the first time. And dinners, we learn, are really more about strategy and planning strategies than about actually eating food. Um, at dinner, Katniss recognizes um, a server, a red-headed server, who we find out is an Avox. An Avox is someone who has had their tongue cut in um, punishment for being a traitor or so. Um, but PETA covers for her because it's not a good thing if Katniss knows this Avox. And when she says she recognizes her, the adults are concerned and shocked. Um, so Katniss, PETA covers for Katniss, um, saying it's someone they know from school, which relaxes all the adults. Um, Katniss doesn't like the feeling of being drunk, and she's a little tipsy drunk when she says this. Um, everyone watches the recap of the tribute parade, the opening ceremonies, and no one holds a candle to the District 12 tributes. Um, Hamish tells Katniss and Peta to meet him for breakfast, and he'll tell them exactly how he wants them to play training and sends them off to bed so that the adults can talk. Um... Peta waits at Katniss's door, wanting an explanation, and takes Katniss up to the roof where they might not be overheard. Katniss confides the story of how she saw the Avox girl in the woods when hunting with Gale. 
Um, and Peta gives her his jacket. Then um, Peta starts asking Katniss about Gale, and they go to bed. All right, so let's dive in deep to the chapter, and I'm going to start with some questions I had. Um, over the last few chapters, I've noticed that Katniss can sometimes focus on her food. When she was eating with Sinna in Chapter 5, she focused on how long it would take her to put together her food. Um, and then here, in Chapter 6, um, she again focused on her food and what was being served. Um... And I wonder why that is. Um, I think it seems to have a grounding effect on her, and it kind of seems to um, ground her. While they make small talk, I concentrate on the meal. Mushroom soup, bitter greens with tomatoes the size of peas, rare roast beef sliced as thin as paper, noodles in a green sauce, cheese that melts on your tongue, served with sweet blue grapes. I think also, you know, food is something that nourishes you and that is so essential to life and something she spends her time um, producing and providing, you know, she's wondered herself, like, if she was in the capital where food was always present at the touch of a button, how she would spend her time. Um, so, you know, she has this relationship with food of not having enough and then, you know, finding a way to make it happen. And here, um, in the capital, she can take pleasure in her food. Um, focusing on the food is something she can control. It's a way to um, kind of control her thoughts, too. Um, it's not dissimilar to in Mockingjay when, um, she has, when she uses the strategy of telling herself things she knows to be true, or at the end, when she tells herself all the positive things um, she's seen or knows. Um, so I think this has a similar effect. It's a coping mechanism and a way to care for herself and um, focus on something other than her fear and um, hopelessness of, you know, what comes next. So next, I wonder why Katniss and Peeta are not involved in strategizing. So Hamish sends them away, sends them to bed so that, um, the adults can talk. Um, and I wonder why he does that. Um, tomorrow morning is the first training session. Meet me for breakfast and I'll tell you exactly how I want you to play it, says Hamish to me and Peta. Says Hamish to Peta and me. Now go get some sleep while the grown-ups talk. Um, this is Katniss and Peta's live. Like, why... I'm guessing that the grown-ups are talking strategy and how to keep them alive. That's my inference. Um, 
But why can't Katniss and Peeta be involved in that? It's their lives at stake. Shouldn't they have some say in the strategies that will be employed in the arena or in training? Um, And wouldn't that help them build trust in Haymitch and these adults just simply getting to listen in on the conversation? Right now, they kind of have to blindly trust Hamish and these other adults who have their ha- their lives in their hands. And Hamish has made an effort. You know, Katniss says um, when, like, uh, Katniss says when Hamish appears at dinner, um, it's the cleanest he's ever, um, seen, it's the cleanest she's ever seen him. Hamish shows up at, shows up just as dinner is being served. It looks as if he's had his own stylist because he's clean and groomed and about as sober as I've ever seen him. He doesn't refuse the offer of wine, but when he starts in on a soup, I realize it's the first time I've ever seen him eat. Maybe he will pull himself together long enough to help us. Maybe. So it seems like there's still not full, complete trust in Hamish, but he is making an effort. And I wonder if, like, being allowed to have an opinion and even just sit in on discussing strategy, which they didn't do at dinner, um, really would be helpful in building that trust between Katniss, Peta, and Hamish. Um, someone who maybe Katniss is beginning to trust more is Effie. Um, you know, Effie is very determined to help Katniss and Peta. Um, you know, she tells people that if you put enough pressure on coals, it turns to pearls. She's talking up Katniss and Peta to all her friends, anybody who's anybody in the capital, meaning they have money, which can be life and death. Having sponsors could be the difference between life and death in the arena. Um... Unfortunately, I can't seal the sponsor deals for you. Only Hamish can do that, says Effie grimly. But don't worry. I'll get him to the table at gunpoint if necessary. Although lacking in many departments, Effie Trinket has a certain determination I have to admire. So she is determined to help them. So, yeah. And then, you know, um, Katniss says, Dinner isn't really about food. It's about planning our strategies, and Cinna and Portia have already proven how valuable they are. But then, throughout dinner, um, it's odd that they really don't spend any time discussing strategy at all. And with the cake um, that lights on fire, it seems more of a celebration of the performance in the opening ceremonies than a strategy meeting. Um, so they do, I guess, talk a little bit about the interview costumes. Um, and Katniss's head is feeling foggy as she's been drinking wine, so, um, maybe 
there was talk of strategy, but since we're reading this from Katniss's perspective, um, we don't see it. So then, at the end of the chapter, Katniss and Peeta go up onto the roof, and Katniss um, confides in Peeta about where she saw the Avox girl when she was hunting with Gail. Um... Yeah. Let's see. Your friend Gail, he's the one who took your sister away at the reaping? Yes. Do you know him, I ask? Not really. I hear the girls talk about him a lot. I thought he was your cousin or something. You favor each other, he says. No, we're not related, I say. Peter nods, unreadable. Did he come to say goodbye to you? Yes, I say, observing him carefully. So did your father. He brought me cookies. Pila raises his eyebrows as if this is news, but after watching him lie so smoothly, I don't give this much weight. Really? Well, he likes you and your sister. I think he wishes he had a daughter instead of a house full of boys. The idea that I might ever have been discussed around the dinner table at the bakery fire just in passing in Peta's house gives me a start. It must have been when the mother was out of the room. He knew your mother when they were kids, says Peta. Another surprise, but probably true. Oh, yes, she grew up in town, I say. It seems impolite to say she never mentioned the baker, except to compliment his bread. We're at my door. I give back his jacket. See you in the morning, then. See you, he says, and walks off down the hall. Um, so, I wonder why Pita is so interested in Gale. And, you know, I think I know the answer. It's because he loves Katniss and wants to be with her, and he wants to know if there's anything between Katniss and Gale. Um, and I think that's what he's trying to figure out. Um, but I noticed the line, I thought he was your cousin or something. That's kind of foreshadowing to how, um, during the games, the Capitol, um, interviews friends and family from Katniss's home, and, um, to keep up with the romance and the love story that, um, happens between Katniss and Peta, they say Gail and his family are Katniss's cousin. It almost makes me wonder, let's see, oh, I think they're inside at this point, and so I am pretty sure that they're being monitored, um, and they go up to the roof initially, um, so that they can't be overheard, because they're also suspicious about being monitored. So, perhaps Peta saying this is what gives them that initial idea. Um, and then, I know earlier in an episode, um, when, um, I was talking about when the baker came to say goodbye, 
I said I wondered if PETA put him up to it. PETA raises his eyebrows as if this is news. But after watching him lie so smoothly, I don't give this much weight. So now, I don't know what I think. I don't know what would motivate the baker to come visit Katniss. Um, I guess we know that the baker wanted to marry Katniss's mom. We learned that later in this book. Um, so maybe it's out of that memory and out of that love for Katniss's mom that he wants to come offer Katniss a gift. Um, maybe it is because of Prim. Um, I don't know. I wonder if PETA ever confided in his father about his love for Katniss. Um, if he had, maybe it's a combination of the baker's love for PETA, fondness of Prim, and love for Katniss's mother. Um, it'd be interesting. The baker is someone who we don't really know a lot about. Um, even in the next book, in Catching Fire, we don't learn a lot more about his character. And then in Mockingjay, he's dead when District 12 has been bombed. Um, it'd be interesting to know more about his character and more about PETA's family and upbringing in general. I'd love to know more about PETA's backstory and um, PETA's perspective of the events. Uh, I'd love to get inside PETA's brain and understand him more. But <laughs> who knows if that will ever happen. And for now, all we can do is speculate. So now for some themes. Um, I see like information and misinformation in this book. Um, and I see that first in Effie, um, when Effie is talking about how she's been trying to, uh, talk up. I've been very mysterious, though, she says, her eyes squint half shut, because, of course, Hamish hasn't bothered to tell me your strategies, but I have done my best with what I had to work with, how Katniss sacrificed herself for her sister, how you both successfully struggled to overcome the barbarism of your district. Barbarism. That's ironic, coming from a woman helping to prepare us for slaughter. And what's she basing our success on? Our table manners? Everyone has their reservations, naturally. You being from the coal district. But I said, and this was very clever of me. I said, well, if you put enough pressure on coal, it turns to pearls. Effie beams at us so brilliantly that we have no choice but to respond enthusiastically to her cleverness, even though it's wrong. So Effie isn't getting information she wants from Hamish. Um, and then she's spreading misinformation, trying to help Katniss and Peta get sponsors. Um, and, you know... 
I wonder about the role of information and misinformation in the betting process. Is knowing the um, tribute strategy in the arena going to help them get sponsors? Or is it connecting with them emotionally that is and empathizing with them? Is that going to drive more sponsors? Um, And we see Effie spreading word of mouth, person-to-person information, which is different than the information that can be spread by mass media, by the mandatory TV broadcasts, the information that um, people can learn from watching the reaping, watching the opening ceremonies, the interview, um, seeing the training scores, which the training scores... It's kept secret what happens in them, and only a score is given. Um, And, you know, with both the word of mouth and the mass media type of information, it's hard to know if you're getting, like, true information or, like, misinformation. Because things can be so, um, so, like changed and can be half-truths, um, information presented in a way to manipulate you into an action, um, which we see in our own world. We have, you know, our media sources are all biased in some way. There's fake news out there, alternative facts, and one of the most important things that we can teach our young people and anyone really is critical thinking and how to evaluate sources for their credibility, help them navigate um, the information and misinformation all around them, all that they have at their fingertips through social media and the mass media. Um, you know, that's we have to teach that and we have to help these kids who are our future figure that out um, for the future of our world and society. Um, In this chapter um, with Katniss, I see a lot of hopelessness and a lot of doubt in herself. Um, I think A silent young man, dressed in a white tunic, offers us all stemmed glasses of wine. I think about turning it down, but I've never had wine, except the homemade stuff my mother uses for coughs. And when will I ever get the chance to try it again? I take a sip of the tart dry liquid and secretly think it could be improved by a few spoonfuls of honey. When will I ever... When will I get a chance to try it again? It almost seems that there's an acceptance there, an acceptance of death. Um, Then later in the chapter, I realize I do want to talk to someone about the girl, someone who might be able to help me figure out her story. Gail would be my first choice, but it's unlikely. I'll never see Gail again. So here is kind of the doubt. It's not an acceptance outright of her fate of death, but the chances of her living are 
unlikely. There's still not hope. There's not a resolve to win. There's not a sense that she thinks she can do it. Um, yeah. And then the last thing, um, I want to, or the last sort of theme, um, in this chapter that I saw was rebellion. Um, when talking, so let's see, whose idea was the hand holding, asked Hamage. Sinna's, says Portia. Just the perfect touch of rebellion, says Hamage. Very nice. Rebellion? I had to think about that for one moment. But when I remember the other couples standing stiffly apart, never touching or acknowledging each other, as if their fellow tribute did not exist, as if the games had already begun, I know what Hamish means. Presenting ourselves not as adversaries, but as friends, has distinguished us as much as the fiery costumes. So, what is rebellion? How can we rebel? Is rebellion simply not meeting the expectations set forth to you by those in power? Um, Even simple acts of defying those expectations, such as holding hands. There could be many reasons that Katniss and Peeta hold hands um, that aren't making a statement against the government. You know, they could be holding hands because they're friends. They could be holding hands just to get through. Um, I don't know. Rebellion, I always think of as something bigger, you know, but I guess maybe there's a spectrum of rebellion. There's small-scale acts of rebellion, um, holding hands when it's not what's expected. Um, Perhaps Sinna, you know, giving these tributes a chance, making them unforgettable, um, doing what's not expected. Um, although with both of these examples, no laws are being break it broken, and there's no statement really saying that this is not okay. We don't agree. We do not condone. There's no statement like that being made. It's just something that's unusual, not normal. And I don't think that necessarily um, not meeting expectations or doing something new, something unusual, I don't think it's always an act of rebellion because that's how we evolve as a society. That's how we change is like doing the unexpected, um, not conforming to expectations. So I wonder... Um, when something is like evolution and when it's rebellion. And then I think there's also a relationship between rebellion and evolution. Rebellions lead to an evolution of society. Um, I think we especially see that um, 
with this trilogy, this rebellion, the overthrowing of the tyrannical capital, um, leads to the instate to instating a republic and an attempt at having a better republic than the past. Um, so maybe they're connected. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, Katniss holding out those berries at the end of the um, book, it sparks the rebellion. But I don't think it's what she meant to do. Katniss herself um, is confused and doesn't know why she did that. And I think the other place I see rebellion is with the Avox. You know, Avoxes are traitors. Um, so, you know, this girl, she was fleeing the capital with someone. There had to be a reason. Perhaps they'd been found out that they don't agree with the capital. And that caused them to flee to preserve their life. Um... A rebel who rebels unsuccessfully, aren't they ultimately a traitor? Um, so I wonder about this Avox and her story. Why, what led her to run away? What led her to rebel against the capital? How was she caught? Um, you know, what's her story? How was she raised? Um, what was her role in the capital? Um, not everyone in the capital surely is so exorbitantly rich, um, but, you know, I wonder, um, about her story and, um, what rebellion is in her story. With rebellion, there's also risk. You risk your life, your livelihood, the lives of your family, um to the people in power over you. The people in power over you, how much control do they have? Um, if it's you singularly rebelling, they probably have a lot of power over you. But how does that change when um, millions and a mass of people rebel? How does the power dynamic shift? Can we create power for ourselves? I don't know. Anyway, that's my thoughts on chapter six. And um, I guess what I'm called to do in my own life or how I'm called out to live this story in my own life is... Um, to do some smaller acts of rebellion, you know, um, while our government does a lot, there is a lot of corruption in our government, and if I can find small ways to rebel, um, I think that would be good. Um, I guess one way, kind of, that I can see rebellion is voting. That's one way to make change and to change the power dynamics in this country is with my vote. Um, 
but that's also something that ex- that's expected. Although people don't necessarily expect or count on young people to vote because we vote in kind of the lowest numbers, which I wish more young people would vote. We could change so much if we all just came out to vote. Um, the other thing I want to be conscious of is information and what is my media diet? What information am I consuming? How am I making sure that I'm getting reliable information? How am I seeking out the truth in um, a world of half-truths, truths um, that are changed just a little to manipulate and um, change my mind? Um, I personally think the best way to do that is to read a wide variety of media sources from across the spectrum of bias. Um, So I will try to do that more. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been another episode of Paideia. Join me next time for some more um, discussion and thoughts on the Hunger Games. Have a great day.